You're listening to The Community Pulse, a podcast about developer relations, community management, and all things tech advocacy. Let's see what our hosts are chatting about this episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Community Pulse. It's easy to say that developer relations and community management is not universal, but sometimes we focus so much on what's being done in our part of the world that we can forget how things might be different in different places. In this episode, we decided to try something a little different. We reached out to folks around the world to tell their stories, to let us know what makes their experiences unique. We wanted to get a sense of what unites us in DevRel and what small or large tweaks need to be made to adjust for geography and culture. Before we get started, let's hear from our sponsors. The world's best software teams use CircleCI to deliver quality code with confidence. As the largest continuous integration and delivery platform, CircleCI empowers engineers to seamlessly take ideas to execution at scale. The CircleCI platform is optimized for developer productivity, speed, and confidence. CircleCI understands how engineering teams work and how their code runs. Companies like Intuit, Apple, and Spotify use CircleCI to improve productivity, release better products, and get to market faster. Visit communitypulse.io slash CircleCI to get started. When we look at DevRel, we often think of our efforts as being global. That said, it's important to distinguish the difference between working globally and focusing locally. All of our team here at Community Pulse are based in the U.S. This means we bring our American-based perspectives to the work we do. But even in a place so similar to our own, there can be differences. Let's hear from Lorna Mitchell to see how things in the UK work. Hello, I'm Lorna, developer advocate for Ivan. So we're based in Finland as a company, although we've grown with offices in Berlin and hubs in other places, uh, Sydney, Australia, and also North America. We're still predominantly a European country, a European company with people spread across the continent. In Europe, we have all kinds of different technologies going on. But when I think about what's here, what's around me, what I don't need to travel a long way for, it's always the open source communities. Pre-pandemic, all the cities had open source meetups and some good energy around those. Some very good projects have come out of Europe in different places. We also have some of the bigger events, uh, FOSDEM, FROSCON, um, and I think that that spirit is really alive and well in Europe. I don't need to travel a long way to find very good quality engineers, open source contributors, and of course events and communities. I don't see any particular barriers in Europe that are specific to the region. But I do see that we have lots and lots of people who may not necessarily have English as a first language, although it's kind of common to have at least some fluency if you work in technology. But that language, that, non, that non-native uh, impact, I think means that it, it makes us want to include people and to make sure that our resources can be understood easily without being very complicated or, or um, difficult to understand. Lorna's a longtime developer advocate, and as we can hear in her story, really loved interacting with people. That's one part that really stands out as universal. Still, unique issues can arise, even remaining on the same continent. Different regions can have different interests and different needs. So next we'll hear from Lucy Simakova, 
who sees a big focus on open source and security in Eastern Europe. Hi everyone, my name is Lucy and uh, I'm joining you from sunny Czech Republic. I recently joined uh, Timescale as their developer marketing manager. Before joining Timescale, I was doing developer relations at Microsoft, where I worked with the developers and technical students from the Central and Eastern Europe region. So I know this region the best. Developers in this region just love open source and free software. In GitHub's The State of October's report in 2018, Russia, Ukraine and Poland were in the top 15 places with the most GitHub contributors. In 2019 edition of the same report, Greek developers had the fifth highest growth in open source project created in public repositories. You can find many skilled and talented developers in the Central and Eastern Europe region. One thing that I noticed and I think is very unique is that there are many skilled security experts. I think it's not a coincidence that this region is a home of globally known and successful internet security and antivirus software companies like Kaspersky, AVG, Avast or Asset. I think thanks to my experience from this region, I've become a huge advocate of localization. I strongly believe that localization brings value to both the reader or the, the person who consumes the content and to the author. So for the reader, it brings content that's more inclusive of their language or time zone. And for the author, localization enlarges the potential target audience and shows empathy for the audience. When you localize your content, you show that you know the needs of your audience and that you care about those needs. I think that localization should not stop at translating content, even though it's super first great step. It's important to make sure that locally relevant examples are used or that the services that are presented are available in the country or region or that the right social media sites are used. Because in some countries, Facebook and other locally specific sites like Vkontakte in Russia uh, are more popular and more used than Twitter that's being usually used for promoting technical content. It's good to hear about the importance of localization to ensure people around the world can understand and work with the things the team is doing. Language is just one part of what makes a region unique. Another aspect is the culture of tech in a given region. Lucy mentioned a focus on open source. And our next guest, Ben Greenberg, mentions how startups are what drives the tech culture in Israel. Hello, my name is Ben Greenberg, and I live here in Israel outside of Tel Aviv. I work as a developer advocate with a team at Orbit. I just started recently. Until I was at Orbit, I was working for the past few years as a developer advocate at Vonage, as the Ruby developer advocate. And I moved to Israel about a little less than four years ago from the United States. When I think about what the work of developer relations, being a developer advocate, in Israel looks like, I think about a few distinct areas. First of all, I think about the technology in our region and the technology, the stack that people tend to use here, I would say more than a specific architecture is what it's meant to accomplish. And in our case, we have a lot of startups in our part of the world. We are, uh, 
you know, replete with startups in, in Tel Aviv and throughout the country. And so the tech stack of a lot of the companies and organizations that I interact with is essentially whatever helps them get up and running the fastest. It's that sort of modality of the startup life. Very quick turnaround, need to see uh, a viable product as fast as one can possibly get it up. So we see a lot of React and a lot of Node.js applications, but we also see a lot of Ruby and Rails apps, particularly in the early stages of the iteration of a startup, because even to this day, Ruby and Rails tends to be a very fast way to get something on the web that you can show to invest and to interested uh, parties. Another area that I often uh, think about when I think about what it's like to work here in Israel as a developer advocate is the, the complexities around inclusivity and language. The language of the country is primarily Hebrew, and yet we know that the documentation for most technical things is primarily written in English. And something that I learned and doing the work here is the need to check myself and to be aware of my own linguistic privilege when it comes to the English language. And when I am writing documentation or I'm writing a quick start guide or tutorial, I need to often think about the complexity of the language that I'm employing. If the goal of the documentation, if the goal of the tutorial is to help a user, help a developer get from point A to point B, then I can best accomplish that by using the most simple and pared down English that gets the job done. It's not about demonstrating a certain level of complexity in English. It's about getting to the point across. And so that's something I've really worked on and I think uh, become very cognizant of, which is the need to make the English that I use in my documentation as uh, straightforward as I possibly can. Another area that poses challenges around living in this part of the world is that most of the conferences that happen don't happen in this time zone. Now, the conferences that happen within continental Europe or happen in the UK, those are not so bad. But the conferences that happen in North America can be really challenging. And particularly in this uh, time of pandemic, in this time of remote conferences, where either you are presenting at a conference or you are doing booth duty at a virtual conference, uh, the, the differential in time can really present a challenge. Something that's really interesting about working in this part of the world as a developer advocate, where if part of my job and how I, uh, in many ways, define the role of a developer advocate is to be a voice of the user back to the product and engineering teams, to take that feedback, to integrate that feedback into the uh, cycles of work internally, is that wherever I go in my neighborhood, in my city, uh, when I'm commuting between cities, I'm surrounded by people within the tech community, whether they're developers or product managers or QA engineers, uh, UX and UI designers. They're everywhere. So many people in Israel work in tech. And so if I'm sitting on the train commuting into Tel Aviv, I am probably sitting next to developers. If I am at the playground with my kids on the weekend, the other parent pushing the kid on the swing, their kid is probably a developer or a developer adjacent. And so there are numerous uh, opportunities to engage people 
And you really don't have a clear differentiation between your engagement of users and developers during your working hours and your engagement of users and developers during your non-working hours because it is all developers everywhere you go. I don't know if it's the case in other places like that. I'm sure it is. But I personally have never lived in a context where it is so uh, infused with tech as it is here. Lastly, something that I think is particularly interesting about uh, this, the, uh, the community, the developer community here, is that when we had meetups, and you know, thankfully we're beginning back to have in-person meetups again, the tech community in Israel is comprised of people from so many different cultures and languages and regions. When I would go to a local meetup, uh, whether in Tel Aviv or in Haifa or in Petah Tikva or any of the other cities where meetups might happen, you would meet people from the UK, from North America, from South America, from throughout Europe, from North Africa, from Asia, from everywhere. And so at one local meetup, you had the opportunity to keep up to date and keep in touch with global trends because you had, in effect, people who were representatives of those cultures at your local meetup. So it was like as if the world was at your doorstep because the tech community here is filled with so many people, uh, whether they're here on work visas or immigrants uh, from around the world, you know, just like me, who I moved here from North America. So I, in some ways, represent some of those trends when I come to a meetup locally. You know, I can be that somewhat of the American voice. Beyond the focus of community, startups and enterprise companies, open source and inner source. Some regions are so large, everything needs to be taken into account. That's definitely true when your country boasts a population over 1 billion. Ram Iyengar reports from Chennai to speak on what works in India. Hey, my name is Ram Iyengar. I'm presently a developer advocate at the Cloud Foundry Foundation. I currently work based out of Chennai in India. Chennai is one of India's largest cities located on the coast in the tropical southern part of the country. My focus is on advocating Kubernetes, the Cloud Foundry Pass, and several methods of modern software development to teams of all. Well, no two days are alike. I can tell you that. At the core of it, I am an educator. Most part of my day goes in experimenting with technology and writing them up as blogs, as tutorials, or preparing videos from them for software developers who are my primary audience. I also work a lot with like ops practitioners and from time to time as inspiration strikes, I will do the odd bit to write awareness pieces for CIOs, CTOs, and the like, but that's rare. It's always waves and waves of content ideas that have to be fit into current priorities and more importantly, have to overcome these overbearing forces of inertia. At the Cloud Foundry Foundation, there is a lovely marketing sub-team who I lean on for support. Our current set of events, with our, which are entirely virtual, are focused on specific geographies. Oftentimes, finding audiences in these regions is about finding the right influences. That way, speaking with community managers is uh, quite inevitable. Particularly in India, the community manager role is becoming increasingly popular. With the rise of co-working spaces, offline communities, until March 2020 of course, the role, the scope and the sheer numbers of community managers has been on the rise and 
that has allowed them a wide berth of influence in local and hyper local initiatives so connecting with them is often a pleasure and is a necessity when you want to create events that are targeted at very focused and localized groups now particularly to india a lot of people have taken positively to you know both organizing and attending online now because we are in a diametrically opposite part of the united states where a lot of the focus is on events and other community activities are it does make it a little bit of a challenge to attend these events and get on board with the content but nothing that a dose of caffeine can't fix <laughs> and also most communities these days are kind enough to put everything out on youtube or some other channels where we can you know go back and uh, listen through them and just watch at least Now another interesting side effect of the virtual events and sorry I digress a bit here is that participants can gather from all around the world particularly those who would like to present now we can have subject matter experts brought in from any part of the world still execute events within budget and have some great learning shared among everyone and that's a great benefit to have uh, india is very distinct in that historically though the indian ethos in software is associated largely with software services india is home to perhaps one of the largest bodies of managed providers and out in the wild you can spot them in all shapes and sizes the present scene is uh, definitely shifting in terms of the nature of technology companies that the subcontinent is producing it's very interesting to watch and observe software product companies that are emerging from here and it's a pleasure to you know be able to perceive this shift first hand and participate in some ways smaller big now what's interesting about india is that you'll always find a room full of people whether you're talking something as archaic as cobol or something as contemporary pretty as the cloud native computing foundation this the spread is just amazing i mean i have friends who are presently working on writing modules for like mainframes and stuff like that i also have folks in my network who are you know writing software for kubernetes that runs on the edge of some iot mesh network that's going to be running on some industrial uh, processing or logistics backend um front end technologies like flutter and vue js and react have takers in india unglamorous if you permit that word back end technology like postgres plugins also seem to have like a ton of enthusiasts and and all of these people seem to just you know coexist in this bustling software metropolis that india is and that is one of the things that makes india so unique in terms of being an advocate here you'll you'll always find a room full of takers no matter what the technology another interesting facet about india is that there often aren't too many language barriers that we run into now english is for most part of the country english is uh, taught in school at a high school level and so most people have a good fluency in terms of knowing the english language and although there's you know some very uh, regional slant to the kind of english that folks speak but understanding documentation and assimilating them in code and assimilating programs from a documentation that they read is not something that very challenging for technologists in the age so that's never been a big problem 
Well, the developer community in India is very capable technically. There's, like I mentioned, always someone or there's always a bunch of folks who know uh, the breadth of technology that people just generally seem to know is, is quite amazing. Qualitatively, it is a very real manifestation of the Pareto principle. There's typically 20% of the folks who know in excess of 80% in terms of a particular technology in depth and on the flip side and on the flip side about 80 percent of the folks who are in a room are probably treading very shallow water when you analyze this a little more in terms of uh, numbers the quantum of folks who know the technology is large enough to have a big community but then the serious adopters are often overshadowed by the noise that the less hands-on the less in-depth folks sort of generate and so it makes it you know, rather hard to reach the right kind of people in the critical mass that any commercial venture desire. It's one thing to have a home field advantage, but it's a little bit different when you're actually working outside of your comfort zone. Let's hear from Ramon, who's currently working in Vienna, but it was originally based in the U.S. Hey, lovely folks from Community Pulse. My name is Ramon Widovro, and I'm a developer advocate at CodeC. And uh, I started this job quite recently, in January, in fact. Given that Codesy is also quite a new company, we've been doing everything remotely so far, focusing, like I said, on streaming and uh, social networks and that sort of thing. The metric that we've been most focused on right now is the number of active users we've got on Codesy as a platform. So even though I'm based in Europe, the majority of Codesy's team is based in the Pacific region of the United States. So we've been trying to coordinate our working times. For example, I will start the bulk of my work in the afternoon here so that I can touch base with the team. And that's been quite interesting. Even though I'm working in the, in the afternoon, I also have the opportunity, for example, to talk to folks that are based uh, in time zones close to mine in the morning to be able to cover more ground between us and the team in the United States. I will admit it was a bit of an adjustment to get, <laughs> to start working in the afternoons until late, but I got used to it after a while, and I think it's quite comfortable. So as I mentioned before, we've been doing everything remotely, and we haven't actually had the opportunity to do in-person events, of course. So I'm quite excited about being able to go to local meetups and that sort of thing and represent Codesy as a company once that's possible again. So the thing about local events, right, even though Austria is a German-speaking country, most meetups and events are held in English. That said, there are quite a few events that are still held in German. And one of the things that I was building up for, oh, by the way, I'm not a native speaker. Uh, my native languages are English and Spanish. So uh, German is a work in progress. And I was actually trying to build up the, the courage, and, and now I feel quite determined to do so once it's possible again to give a talk at, or, you know, uh, some kind of event like this in German. I think it would be quite fun. But yeah, given that everything is remote right now, most of the developers in our community are based on either social media or we communicate to them through a Slack channel that we've got. Finally, we bring it all home. Just to show how different parts of our own country can have differences, we heard from Rachel Totman, calling in from Seattle, Washington in the good old U.S. of A. Hi, my name is Dr. Rachel Tatman. I'm a senior developer advocate at Raza. So my day-to-day, -day, I support a very global community. Um, so even the Raza company, we are remote first. Uh, the sort of biggest 
locus of people is in Berlin in Germany, uh, and I am in Seattle, which is on the west coast of the United States, so I am significantly uh, behind <laughs> in terms of time. And our developer community, uh, specifically the parts of our developer community that speak English, also tend to be uh, sort of the center of mass is more around Europe. We've got a really large community in India. We've got uh, quite a quite a large community in Africa, um, South America, uh, and then, of course, uh, US and Europe. And as a result, my days are very uh, morning focused. That's when I have um, the most overlap with my team. And also it's when I have the most overlap with our developer community and I do my live streaming. A big challenge for us is that our community is very multilingual. Um, in fact, I think I'm, there's, uh, Emma is a, a native English speaker, but the, the, um, the manager of our DevRel team and the other um, advocate on the DevRel team are not native English speakers. Uh, and most of our community, I would say, are, are not native English speakers. So for me as a native speaker, I have to be really uh, mindful of when I'm using um, specific, I tend to use a lot of, uh, how does somebody put it, folksy sayings. Uh, and so being aware of when I am using more metaphorical language and being like, okay, I think this audience will get it. They probably hang out with Americans or not, or like, mm, this is probably not the best uh, best thing for this particular particular audience. And there's also a lot of, um, I wouldn't say that there's a lot, but sometimes you'll get sort of, uh, people say things that are appropriate in one culture and not another. So an example would be during a live stream, I had uh, a developer that I knew who was from Africa was like, you've gained weight. And she meant it as like a compliment and it was super, uh, you know, she was being very nice and like I had the cultural context to be like, ah, she's being polite and uh, this is like a, a nice thing for her to say. Whereas if an American said that to you, uh, that the connotation might be different. So being able to, spending a lot of time learning and listening and trying to understand the different cultural contexts that people are coming from um, to, to appropriately contextualize, you know, their life experiences and, and how they're communicating to you is, uh, I think it's a challenge, but I... I also think it's important and, and very rewarding, right? I wanna I wanna know how to help people succeed um, from backgrounds that are wildly different to my own. Uh, another sort of language issue that we do run into, I think this is more natural language processing specific, is that our users use a wide variety of different languages. Um, and I actually have a little bit of a secret weapon here, which is that my PhD um, is in linguistics and, and I did a lot of NLP research when I was working as a researcher. Um, so I have a good understanding of how languages differ from each other. Uh, and that's made it um, much easier for me to help people out and sort of understand where they're coming from with their specific uh, specific needs. Um, and uh, a big challenge for our developer community is if you're building an assistant in English, there's a lot of data available. There's a lot of pre-trained models. If you're building an issue, uh, if you're building a, uh, an assistant in, let's say, uh, Vietnamese, there's just not as many large corpora for Vietnamese as there are for English. Uh, and for other languages, you know, there's, there's even smaller corpora or maybe even no corpora. So being able to um, address people with like wildly different availability of data is really important. Um, and also being able to address developers from, you know, very different, that have very different levels of, of resources available to them. So whether that's computational resources, whether that's internet bandwidth, whether that's, um, you know, support within their, their company where they're developing, um, it, it, there's a lot of listening, uh, and I spend a lot of time on our forums and answering questions and also just uh, getting a sense of, of where our developers are and what, what they are finding challenging at any given time. 
The world is as large or as small as we make it. In DevRel, we try to find the things that tie us together, the commonalities that help us build a better product, a better world. At Community Pulse, we love to hear these stories of how people are doing the same job in a different way. It can help inform us on how best to reach every community anywhere in the world. We would love to thank all of the people who participated in this special episode. Everyone has a unique story and a way of doing things that speaks to the community they came from, as well as the communities that they work with. Thank you for joining us for this look at DevRel around the world. This has been Community Pulse. Learn more at communitypulse.io and on Twitter at community underscore pulse. Your hosts are Mary Thangball, Mary underscore Grace on Twitter, Jason Hand, Jason Hand on Twitter, PJ Haggerty, Asplenic on Twitter, SJ Morris, Sarah Jane Morris on Twitter, and Wesley Faulkner, Wesley83 on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.